solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, Locked On Texans fans, to a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Texans podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms. I am John Hickman, of course, joined by my co-host, Cody Davis. And I don't know what's rougher right now, my haircut situation or the Texans season <laughs> as they sit at, what is it, two and nine now. And we've been, we, we, excuse me, we've been through a lot of ups and downs. However, we are here to talk Texans as Cody Let's take them down their red, white, and blue, yellow brick road. Talk Texans. Let's get to it. Yeah, John, and to answer your question, I think the Houston Texans still have it rough because at least I know and you know at some point you're going to get a haircut and everything is going to be okay. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. What's going on off of 16 and Kirby It's not going to be resolved by tomorrow. And with that being said, on this Tuesday installment of Locked on Texans, John and I are going to talk about player relationships with this organization and how that is actually going to affect the Houston Texans as they continue this rebuild. And then we're going to close out this latest installment of Locked On Texans. John wanted me to use another word, but John, I'm sorry. I think that you and I, especially me, I do want to say we kind of overrated Tim Kelly as a play caller. So we're going to dive in into that and what actually went into us overrating him but ladies and gentlemen to get this Tuesday installment of Locked On Texans kicked off I want us to look at the possibility of the Houston Texans keeping Titus Howard at left tackle because as you guys know on Sunday in the loss against the New York Jets the Houston Texans shook up their offensive line and they pushed Titus Howard down to left tackle and to be honest with you John and listeners Howard put together arguably one of his best performances of the season. And according to Pro Football Focus, he actually ended the grade with his highest grade of the season at a 79.4 in comparison to this 47.6 average grade that he had through the first 10 games of the season. Of course, he was still playing at left guard. Now, with that being said, John and listeners, it doesn't matter if it's right tackle or left tackle. The numbers have proved this. The film is starting to prove it as well. But Titus Howard is at his best when he is at tackle versus when he's on the inside and he is playing that guard position. And the same thing could be said through the first two years of his career. He started out his career with the Houston Texans playing right guard. John, I know you was very um, critical of Titus Howard when he started his season, but the second year, which was last season, we saw an improvement in Howard. That's because he switched to right tackle, and we started seeing an improvement. However, we got news that he was switching over to left guard. We thought, based off of his improvements last year, that it was going to be at least a Pro Bowl caliber season for Howard, but of course the first 10 games did not go as planned. Then of course on Sunday, as I just mentioned, he put together one of, if not his best performance of the season. But the reason why I want to dive into the possibility of Howard staying at left tackle more so than not is because if Howard is able to excel at left tackle, not only does that give the Houston Texans an opportunity to keep it to keep him in a position where he is at his best, 
but it also gives the Houston Texans an opportunity to explore the trade market for Laramie Tunsil. I'm not about to sit here and say that Titus Howard is a better left tackle than Tunsil because by far he is an all-pro talent, one of the best left tackles in the NFL. But, John, I have somewhat of a problem knowing that the Houston Texans are about to play Laramie Tunsil a near $40 million over the next two years, and they do not have the quality quarterback to protect in order to pay him that much money. If Titus Howe will finish off the last six, seven games of the regular season, excel, I think that would be the best case scenario for this organization. It puts the Houston Texans in a position where it keep Titus Howell in a position where he can thrive. Plus, it gives the Texans an opportunity to move on from Laramie Tunsil, as I just mentioned, especially considering that you do not have the quarterback in order to, to pay him a near $40 million over the next two seasons. Yeah, that may be an option. I was talking with Ewan from the Turn Up for Watt podcast. You know, he's over in Scotland, and he came over, and I actually had an opportunity to go, you know, get a drink with him and talk Texans and talk about this franchise and where they are. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, you know, their fans, this fan base is crazy. It's huge. He was telling me how the fan base in Scotland, they stay up. If it's a night game here in in Houston, in the States, they stay up five o'clock in the morning because of the time difference, right? And, uh, you know, kudos to fans, man, who are just going through it right now and sticking with this team and not jumping ship. But, you know, we talked about whether or not keeping Laramie Tunsil is the best idea or the best decision for Houston. And, you know, I say, yeah, but the way he put it was, we're going to pay him a lot of money in the next couple of years and where that's going to get us. Basically what you just said, Cody, right? That, like, we don't, we don't, we don't have Deshaun Watson, Watson walking back into the door. We don't have, you know, I don't see Aaron Rodgers choosing Houston as his destination next year if he leaves Green Bay, which is a very strong possibility, right? And the near $40 million to a player where you can take somebody along with the assets that you would get back in a trade and really use that to further you know, spread over the next couple of years to improve this team. Now, the Flip side to Titus Howard, the Jets are a middle-of-the-pack team in terms of how they get after the quarterback. Right now, they have 25 on the season. Houston has 25 on the season. And they have Quentin uh, Nelson. I'm sorry, not Quentin Nelson. Quentin Williams. Uh, they have some defensive guys up front that can get after the quarterback, but they're not an overpowering sack number team. The fact that Houston gave up five sacks on Sunday speaks to where this offensive line is as a whole, but the experiment of Howard at tackle compared to guard, I think that when you play tackle, you have a lot more space as to where when you play guard, a lot of things are bunched up. And I think that, you know, uh, he struggled with that and tackle is his natural position. Do I think Houston should move on from Larry Tunsil after this year and maybe try to find trade assets? I personally do not because whoever you're going to bring in that quarterback, and I don't think Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback for next year. I don't. But whoever you bring in that quarterback, they're going to need protection because somebody's job needs to be easier. And would you rather have your offensive uh, – I'm sorry. Would you rather have your quarterback's job be easier or would you have rather have somebody else's job be easier? I want my quarterback to stand upright. And Larry Tunsil has been proven 
to allow his quarterbacks to stand upright. That's just a fact. But I wouldn't be upset if Houston uses the rest of the season to say, hey, well, let's see what uh, Laramie Tunsil, excuse me, Titus Howard can do with their left tackle position. It makes sense. I think this year, which was what would, excuse me, what we've been talking about for the entirety of the year is this is a big audition year for a lot of guys. And moving him from guard, he auditioned preseason and through 10 games. And it wasn't a good performance, might I add. But a left tackle, it was terrible. But a left tackle, he did look fairly better. And I think that that deserves, that earned him, rather, another game at left tackle. We will see how that works out. But for Houston, their next game is going to be, excuse me. Against the Colts. Against the Colts. And the Colts are a pretty decent defense right now. I mean, Darius Darius Leonard is a monster. But they're a good defense. And that's an in-division rival, right? So you're going to have an opportunity to have the lights shine on you, especially considering the game you just had. I think it's a great opportunity for Titus Howard. On top of that, this will be an opportunity for him to reestablish himself as a key piece for this team because he's still on the contract for one more year, I believe, and get his name a little bit hotter around the league. Like at some point, he's, he's going to want to make some money. He's going to want to get that contract, and maybe that left tackle is the destination for you. He played pretty well on Sunday, man. I got to give kudos what kudos is deserving. Most definitely, John, I do want to add this little tidbit, just a little bit, because this is going to lead us into our next segment. This is why I say the Houston Texans actually have an opportunity to experiment with keeping Titus Howard at left tackle. Because one, like I mentioned, you can see whether or not it's a fit. But two, and most importantly, Laramie Tussle, there's a possibility that he might not want to come back to this organization. I saw him a couple weeks ago, you know, walking past, getting our COVID test. I had an opportunity to chat it up with him or whatever. I asked him how his, how his hand was doing. He said he was good and all his other good stuff. But there are starting there there's starting to be some rumors, some some speculations on whether or not Laramie Tunsil wants to come back to this season, which is a loss sitting at two and nine. So that's going to lead us into our next topic that we're going to talk about the fracture relationships that's going on between multiple players and the Houston Texans. In life, we are all bound by different things. With beachbound.com vacations, you can be bound for adventure, bound for passion, for discovery, togetherness, or bound for rejuvenation. Or you may be bound for encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm bound to end up at a poolside bar, maybe creating my own tacos, a turkey burger, as long as I got a good view and a great drink in my hand, like a lemon Hennessy drop, I'll be as happy as I can be. With beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Locked On Texans. And thank you for making us your first listen. Again, we are free on platforms. Cody, listeners. Viewers, you know, as I was sitting, coming up with topics to discuss about the Houston Texans, and I hate to be a person where the conversations become repetitive, but I thought about how difficult it will be for Houston to bring back players. I thought about how difficult it's going to be for Houston to 
convince players to come to Houston and buy in, right? That was a that was a conversation at the beginning of the offseason when Nick Casario was hired and then they hired David Culley. And they were able to do a lot of one-year deals. But, you know, I'm very concerned about the relationship and retention that the Houston Texans will have in this upcoming year. And if it will be difficult to keep players on the roster. Now, of course, one thing about it is you're going to have to fill your 53-man roster. And to get down to 53, you start off with 90. You start off with damn near uh, 100 players. And right now, when I look at the Houston Texans, they have a lot of proven deals. And for Houston, those proven deals traditionally has not worked out for them, but it works out for other teams. If you guys remember the A.J. Bouillet, if you remember the Tyron Matthews, if you remember the Tashawn Gibson, who's having a good season for uh, Detroit right now. Houston brings in guys on one or two year deals and they have the option to move on. And it seems like those guys come to Houston, uses Houston to succeed, and then they move on for better situations. But I look at the guys that Houston needs to bring back that they brought in this year. Kamu Grugier Hill, Malik Collins, Desmond King, even Reed, I think, is a guy, no matter whether we feel like he's a top tier one, tier two, or tier three safety, he's still a pretty decent safety in the NFL. But the issue that I have is, as I mentioned, Justin Reed is, you know, he's going to be a guy that has looked at this discipline situation, not only with himself, but with Zach Cunningham or how they handled Charles Omenihu or how they've handled his running mate, Lonnie Johnson. Those things come up in conversation with players and agents and looking around and figuring out what is the best thing to do for my career. And I look at Hill. Hill's having a good season with the Houston Texans. Malik Collins rejuvenated his career right now with the Houston Texans because we know he started off pretty hot with the Dallas Cowboys, went to Oakland, and that turned out terrible. Desmond King is a guy that I believe that, you know, once teams are figuring out how they want to kind of set up their depth chart at the cornerback position, he's a player that can fill in and play that slot for a bevy of teams in the NFL. So you got guys that are pretty good at football, and you want to bring them back, because you don't want to lose on players that you're going to have to refill and hope that the player that you bring in, whether it be the draft, whether it be free agency, can replace the productivity that they gave you in that previous year. I think that's the issue for Houston. Uh, like I mentioned already, not having players on the roster makes drafting difficult because now you're going to have to account for positions where, okay, we had this guy linebacker, but he's gone. And the most I would say the most difficult thing about that, listeners and viewers, and Cody as well, is the draft comes first, and then you have free agency. And so now you're kind of scrambling trying to figure out how can we make up for uh, position fields, position holes, rather. Uh, the players has had a relationship with guys higher on the pyramid. That's become a strain. I mentioned Justin Reed. I think the relationship between he and David Cully and uh, Cully's Cully's guys, Casario, the coaching staff, I think that's become a strain. And one thing about this Pat's way of life, the Patriot way of life, and I don't know if you guys remember this, we're going to go up to Detroit. Now when I don't know why his name escapes me. You guys are probably know it and sit in the comments. Well, Matt Patricia, when Matt Patricia went to Detroit, he told – one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL at that time, Darius Slade, you're not that good. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, 
But he told Slay that. And this is when Darius Slay was coming off a great season for Detroit. Excuse my light went off. And Darius Slay had positioned himself to be a top five cornerback in the NFL. He came and immediately said, you're not, you're not, you're not the guy you think you are. That Patriot way of doing things outside of Belichick doesn't rub players the right way because Belichick has won with and without you. What have you done by, by yourself? And that has failed. We look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is the best, I think, coach to come from Bill uh, Bill O'Brien's. I'm sorry, Bill O'Brien is the best Bill, o, Bill Belichick's coaching tree uh, staff. And we saw what he got Houston. Matt Patricia did the same thing. Uh, McDaniels, after his short stint with him as a head coach, he ain't ran back nowhere else. He's been in New England ever since. So these guys come in with this moxie, whether it's the head coach or whether it's the general manager, Nick Asirio, where I know how to do things and you should listen to me, or in actuality, maybe that's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady who knew how to do things. And that rubs players the wrong way, especially when it comes to contract time. So I'm looking at the situation where Houston is in a position now. We talked about Larry Tunsil, whether he's going to want to come back or not. I think this season is done. That's the smartest decision. But whether or not he wants to come back in the future, just list it off, Hill. Collins, King, Reed, who just had a, a, a disciplinary benching uh, because of everything that he called a coach out on. And you're also taking away or uh, putting in and out my best running mate so far this year is safety. What you did with Charles O'Minney, who that's that situation. A lot of these things that Houston has done so far this year, I sit back and say, how in the hell do you expect to keep guys? And how in the hell do you expect to bring in guys you want guys to buy in to a team that has a head coach right now that has made plenty of dumb decisions, a general manager that talks around and can't explain some of the decisions that he makes. And by the way, you're benching some of your better players on a roster for whatever reason. And I think it's going to be very difficult for Houston next offseason to get players here. And I 100% agree with you, John. And every single person that you just named, the one guy that I know at least 75 to 80% is going to come back, and that's Kamu Gugier-Hill. And I say that because Hill is a culture fit, and that is what the Houston Texans is, are hoping for. They want their cake, and they want to eat it as well because they want talented guys, but they also more so than anything, they want players that fit the team culture, whatever the hell they they think well, of culture Justin is. Reed a, off a, of a smart, just just oh, he's a smart Stanford graduate. Uh, he, you're right. You're the, right. You know, he, he, how is he not? He's never given you any problems in the NFL. You've never heard his name. And by the way, I'm not saying because one does it, you do it. But Eric Reed is his brother, and Eric Reed has been, uh, you know, I would say. Catalyst aside of the martyr himself, Colin Kaepernick, for the Neil situation. And Reed just Reed came in with his own identity. So he has not been a problem, a headache, or anything. But if he's not a culture fit, the question begs what is a culture fit? Is it winners and guys who want to win and they're going to do whatever it takes, even if it comes down to bumping heads? Or is it guys that are just okay with being in the NFL, even if it comes at the the hand of losing a bunch of games and being embarrassed in a bunch of games. 
Bingo. And that's your answer. And that's what I was getting at. Yes, Justin, we read to a certain extent is a culture fit, but you got to look at the reality of the situation. When Reed came to this organization, he was he thought he was going to be a part of something special. We thought by now the Houston Texans will be sitting near the top of the AFC. Th that's no longer happening. Plus, you also got to take into account whatever took place between him and David Cully was the was the icing on the cake. It was the nail in the coffin because when you go back and you take an opportunity to sit and listen to Justin Reed th throughout almost every single media availability, and I've been there. As a matter of fact, we literally broke down time and time again how Reed took up for Lonnie Johnson and how frustrated it is to see the decline of the secondary when there is nothing consistent by what they do. Justin Reed was starting to get fed up. And when I take a look at this Houston Texans culture, I look at a situation where they do not want to be questioned by the players. And I also see a situation if they are questioned by the players, it would be in that player's best interest to apologize for their mistake to keep it moving, i.e. compare this situation to the Brandon Cook situation after Mark Ingram was traded. What did Brandon Cooks? He took the Twitter and called the whole situation BS. <laughs> did he get suspended? No. Him and the organization had an opportunity to talk things out. And not only did he not get suspended, he also remained the captain of this team. And, John, this is where I get concerned about the Texans' ability to bring in talent. They care about the culture more so than keeping that talent. And when you go by the list of players that they released or traded or <laughs> about to trade in one, in one case – they value the culture more so than the talent and keeping their team respectable and competitive throughout the season. I mean, hell, I'm not even going to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins shot side of things. Let's just look at the players that the Houston Texans departed from or about to party from ever since the calendar flipped over to 2021. Deshaun Watson. They're about to get rid of him. He's already out the door. J.J. Watt, he was done with this foolishness. Plus, he told us that he saw where this organization was headed, and he did not want to be a part of it. Bradley Roby, not a culture fit. Anthony Miller, in the span of what was it, a month and a half, they got rid of him. Charles Aminihu, another guy that if he was given the right opportunity to, to succeed, he would still be a part of this organization. However, he's not a culture fit. Now you could throw Justin Reed in there, and John, I'm going to, Go ahead and say this. I would not be surprised if Justin Reed has already played his last game as a member of the Houston Texans because I know so good and well he is not going to return and re-sign with his organization come the offseason. And Lonnie Johnson Jr. as well. You saw how good he started off the season. He, You know he is in a culture fit. You see how he's always questioning moves and questioning decisions on Twitter. Newsflash, the Houston Texans almost traded him at the trade deadline. They had a deal in place and something something happened and they have to and they had to fold a deal. So and, and I say all that to say when you take a look at a guy like Kamu Guje Hill, he is a culture fit and he has been somewhat decent for the organization. And I guarantee you, come the offseason, he's going to be one of the first guys that they re-sign. They care about culture more so than talent. And we just, us as listeners, viewers, fans, media members like you and I who report on this team, we kind of going to have to cross our fingers that the culture fits that they get are also talented players as well. And as of right now, that's not happening.
BetOnline has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues to march to the playoffs, BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline for the 2021 season with promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Okay? BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Locked On Crossover show with the Locked On Coats later in the week. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all platforms. Cody, you're going to piss me off. I know you are. <laughs> it, no. And they're no, going to be in the comments. No, they're going to be no. in the YouTube comments and talking crazy to us. And, I, and I'm, and I'm going to say this. As a matter of fact, I, I want to show you guys what I said. So Cody texted me wanted to talk about Tim Kelly, right? <laughs> and, you know, in the midst of receiving his text message, I uh, was able to text him back at the same time, was finally went on break at work and had a long day. And this is what I, you know, this is what I said. Cody wanted to talk about him and say, was he overrated or not? And ladies and gentlemen, I said, I don't know if you guys can really see it. I'm, man, I'm going to read it. Let's use another word other than overrated because I don't even rate him. That's John, and and this is what I wanted to talk about. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I introduced in the moonwalk, the the moonwalk segment, where we backtrack on certain statements and opinions that we had. And to all our listeners that's that's been with us since day one, they can vouch for me that both you and I, including you too, John, was excited about Tim Kelly taking over as the primary play caller after Bill O'Brien left. We saw what he was able to do with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, exactly. We saw what he was able to do with Deshaun Watson. We saw what he was able to do with the offense all throughout the offseason. Even even when we knew Deshaun Watson wasn't coming back, we were still excited about hell. You still have Tim Kelly as your primary play caller. He could draw some things up. We were still giving him flowers. The very first game of the season, he was was your most valuable attribute. He was mine too. Second game, most valuable attribute. But something changed. (laughs) And I'm looking at this from a standpoint, especially after game, after game, after game, probably more so it it started to change week three in the loss against the Carolina Panthers where we thought the dynamic and the the great offensive schemes that we thought uh, Tim Kelly was going to bring to this organization, it's been gone. And I wanted to say that I think it's time that you and I do some moonwalking and backtrack our statements about the excitement and how we kind of overrated Tim Kelly as an offensive play caller. And now I'm looking at this from a from a standpoint well, of wait, wait, wait. I'm looking at this from a standpoint now. How much of the excitement that we saw in Tim Kelly, especially last year, was just simply due to the fact that he had Deshaun Watson at quarterback? That that is where 100%. I'm looking right now. So excitement compared to 
you know, and it's fair. You know, he was an NBA in that first game. The second game too. Game. Second game too. Um, half week 50% five. He was week five against the Patriots too. I, I wrote him down. Week five. Week. I would say game one and game five for me for sure. But was it excitement or was it just us happy to see him do something differently? I mean, because we got excited for him last year in a sense because he did things differently when Bill O'Brien wasn't around. And mm-hmm. This year, it seems like he's only able to kind of throw a wrinkle in the game for one quarter or one drive. But I can't – I don't know overrated is the word. Maybe maybe we were overly excited for him. I, I, overrated <laughs> – when I look at the OCs in the league right now, we have some great OCs in the league. How many, how many of those do you think Tim Kelly would come before out of 32 OCs in the league? And I make a case that we would have had one OC in the league, we wouldn't be in a situation if he was brought in as a head mm-hmm. coach, right? We may still have Sean <laughs> yeah. Watson. You and got this that right. Wouldn't go game scoreless, right? I mean, Tim Kelly has had games where your team goes scoreless. Or you, you have halves, you're scoreless. That's the issue. And there's been times where I praise them. I'm I'm okay with praising guys when I've when I've wanted more out of them and, and they've delivered. And Tim Kelly has delivered on two occasions, whether that be the Jacksonville Jaguars or the New England Patriot game. Even in that New England Patriot game, what did he do? What did he do? He became conservative. And my conspiracy is he's just waiting to go home to daddy. Because I don't feel like Bill O'Brien's going to stay at Alabama after this season. My God, how how terrible – give me a moment. How terrible <laughs> of an OC do you have to be when Alabama has all that offensive talent and you continue to do the same thing that got your ass put out the league, you're doing it in college, where college is more acceptable to the open-style play calling. I don't get it. Bill O'Brien should never be – Another head coach of anything ever again. I don't even think he should be an OC, but he will be. And when that happens, <laughs> Tim Kelly's going to go home to daddy. He's going home to pops. That being said, man, there's no way you bring back Tim Kelly. And I, I think Tim Kelly is, is a guy that, and they mentioned it, by the way, you know, they were asked, I'm sorry, David Cully was asked whether or not Tim Kelly will be relieved of play calling duties so far this season. And he said no. No, he didn't say no. He was, adamant. That, he was with an adamant no. He meant that. As a matter of fact, let me play you no. this short exchange between myself and David Cully so you could just hear how adamant he was. Coach, with you being so adamant about keeping Tim Kelly as a play caller, is there anything you would like to see him do better in hopes of helping this team? No, I just like to see our whole offense do better. You know, we, me as a head coach do better in, in, in helping getting things the way it should be. And, uh, but no, there, there is no question about our play calling. It's, it's the fact that we're not doing what we need to do when the play's being called. And remember, we brought that up. Remember, we talked about that, whether or not if Tim Kelly is not the guy to call plays anymore, do you trust your head coach and David Cully to do that? No, you don't. No, you don't. And, and, it's, and it, it really goes back to whether or not they can bring guys in. There's no belief in any of these guys right now, later, 
some point of the week, we'll talk about Danny Baird as well. And also the talk that Brandon Cooks is getting, but there's no belief in none of these guys right now. Man, you 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 have been appointed to be an OC or head coach of an NFL team. One of the most prominent teams in a sense of in terms of market, in terms of well, outside of this year, game attendance and tickets, in terms of what the Texans are now, the top six richest team in the league or something like that. You have a great team. Despite right, despite not having the playoff success that you may want, but this is what you're producing. This is your king. I'm John Hickman of the Locked On Texans podcast. At Locked On Texans, like us on Facebook and also subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube as well at Locked On Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. John, you can deny it all you want. You was excited about Tim Kelly as well. Our loyal listeners can prove my point, but it doesn't matter because along with me, you're going to put your, 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 your you're going to put your dancing shoes on. You're going to get your silver socks and you're going to moonwalk alongside with me. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.